but confidence is a byproduct. It comes right. from doing other things. So we have to get you in a space where we can calm that inner critic and that noise that goes on in your head so you can think clearly and articulate your thoughts. And the more you do that, the more confident you're going to feel. It's not you get confident and then you go do those things. Well, welcome, everybody. Welcome to Connect, Inspire, Create. I am your host, Carol Clegg. And on this show, we explore topics like entrepreneurial journeys, inspiring tools to help you take action, along with mindset, motivation, and a few marketing resources. So let's dive in together and find inspiration to create success in midlife entrepreneurship. Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur or a seasoned business owner, my podcast offers practical advice and interviews with some successful, inspiring woman entrepreneurs. To my new listeners, welcome. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited to have you here. So together, let's dive into this conversation gain some inspiration, and help us create success in our midlife entrepreneurship journey. In today's episode, we are going to be chatting about finding and freeing your voice to be able to speak confidently and with clarity. And I am joined by Emma Weiner, an expert voice coach who helps mainly female leaders and business owners look, feel, and sound like the expert they really are so that they are more credible and visible in their industry or marketplace. You can have an authentic, powerful, and persuasive voice, and Emma is here to help you find it. So I'd love to introduce my guest today, Emma Weiner. Emma, hi. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Carol. Thank you so much for having me. It's a delight to be here. I am looking forward to unpacking, especially on a podcast, because here we are certainly using our voice. So listeners, let me tell you a little bit about Emma. I love this. She had a glorious squiggly career. (laughs) I can just visualize this. Starting in pharmaceutical sales, then training as a speech and language therapist. And after a short and sweet affair with the NHS, she became operations director in a successful event business before finding her true passion and then training as a voice coach at the prestigious Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. So she does. Emma brings a wealth of all that knowledge to help women raise their visibility and credibility at work by amplifying their ability to be heard and cultivating thought leadership in both the corporate and entrepreneurial world. So welcome, welcome. I know that we've got so much that we want to dig into and we're even going to include a little exercise that we're going to walk you through at the end of the show. But Emma, let's start off with just Asking two quick questions. Sure. All right. What is something that people would be really surprised to know about you? Uh, okay. So I, uh, for a while, was trained by one of the women in from Cirque du Soleil in trapeze, so static trapeze. I did it for about a year and a half, um, and it was terrifying and loads of fun at the same time. So, But not many people know about that. It's <laughs> incredible. That's wonderful. <laughs> And it's so fun to adventure into something like that, just to, I'm sure, just that whole experience, one doesn't have to stay with it, but having having done it when you said it was terrifying, I can't imagine. 
Yeah. <laughs> this lady, she's about six foot two. She was French Canadian and yeah, really terrifying and just incredibly elegant. It was amazing. Yeah. Oh, really, really good film. <laughs> wonderful. My next question for you is on kindness. If I ask you this question, just whoever comes to mind, who has been the kindest to you? I would say my husband. My husband is incredibly kind. He uh, can be very, very thoughtful and supportive uh, when I'm having those moments of wobble. He's my biggest cheerleader. Your rock. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's wonderful. That's, I know that you shared, and I, I pulled this from your bio, that um, the place that you love to be is somewhere near the beach, which is wonderful. I'm also an ocean girl, so there's just something so I don't know, soothing and tranquil with being near the ocean. But you also mentioned that you bake an incredible chocolate cake, but you're allergic to it. How does that yeah. work out? I know. I can't. There's two things I cannot eat. I cannot eat chocolate and I cannot eat cheese. Um, they both give me horrific, horrific migraines. So um, I just have to avoid them. But I, I have this chocolate cake recipe, which is just infallible. I've made it 60 times. And every time I make it, people rave about it, but I've never tasted it. So I have literally no idea what it tastes like. So, My goodness. I think I'll need to get that recipe from you. I'm not the baker in the family, but I love chocolates. So. It's amazing. It never fails. But yeah, and then I... You and I were chatting before the show, before I hit record and talking about the other thing, discovering that you were dyslexic at 46 and mentioning a relief. And I, would you share a little bit about that journey with, with us? Yeah, sure. So I, I knew, I've always known, so cognitively known, I'm not stupid. I'm, I, I wouldn't, I would never have described myself as smart or intelligent, but I knew that I wasn't stupid. I was very verbally articulate. I got concepts. I could enter into conversations. Uh, but I found translating that knowledge, that understanding, that experience onto paper a little bit more difficult. But I wasn't really cognizant of that when I was a bit younger. I just, the main feeling was I never felt smart. And then when I went and started my master's degree, uh, so I hadn't studied for 17 years at that stage, went and did a master's degree. And about three weeks into the program, somebody came in to talk to us about what it's like to teach students with dyslexia, dyspraxia, ADD, and you know all the other neurodiversities that you would be faced with being a university lecturer, which was where I was going. Um, and she listed off all these things that dys dyslexic students do. And I was like, well, I do that one and that one. Oh, hang on. I do four out of those five things. Um, <laughs> and so I went to see her afterwards and said, you know, listen, you know, that list. And she went, you do lots of them. I'm like, yeah. So we did the test. Um, and whilst I was sitting the test, I honestly thought three times. So it's a three hour long test. Um, well, I'm clearly not dyslexic. I'm wasting this poor woman's time. I feel terrible. This is really awful. Somebody really needs this spot. And I've taken it up. And three times I nearly said to her, let's just call it off. And then at the end, she went, yes, you're profoundly dyslexic, but just in three very, very specific areas. Because I'm a, I'm a big reader. I love reading. Um, yeah, but three specific areas. And that really affected how I put my knowledge on paper. But when I found out, it was like, oh, it's such a relief because now I know I'm not, I am smart. I just have to learn in a specific way and I just have to put my thoughts on paper in a very specific way. It was amazing discovery. Amazing. That is wonderful. So to find those tools that actually then enabled you to just embrace. Yeah. And to, to, to yeah, that is wonderful. What a discovery. It's been so amazing that, you know, as you said, listening to somebody I shared with you that I, 
my daughter thinks that there's a slight tendency on my side. And you're discovering these things later in life. Um, it is a relief because then we can. We can step into learning the tools and stop the frustration. Absolutely. I mean, I went from writing linear notes during my master's degree. I was trying to write everything down. But because my writing is a little bit slower, I'd have half of the beginning of a sentence and half of the end of another sentence and didn't make sense. Mm. And then I immediately swapped to mind mapping. I had this beautiful lecture all laid out in colour and I could recall everything that had been said. And it just it was honestly, it was just amazing. It was like, oh, this is how I learned. This is how my brain works. That is amazing because I use mind mapping for my clients in coaching and I bring it up all the time. And many times people go, oh, I'm so overwhelmed with mind mapping because it's this and that. And I said, you don't have to. It's You can take And So I have a drawing pad that I carry with me everywhere. And I say, you can start just with one circle in the middle. Um, and then if you're creative, bring in those colored pens and pencils and have fun with it. But yeah, isn't that interesting? So I guess it's probably part of my ADD brain that also <laughs> leans towards mind mapping being an excellent tool. I think it also depends like if you're if you're a big picture thinker. For me, mm-hmm. part of it is being able to see the whole. It's like I can't I can't deal with the details unless I can see the whole. Right. Um, I need right. to know where they fit in, uh, what comes before, what comes after, and then it can make sense. But if you yeah. just it's just coming in a linear fashion and I can't work out where it fits in in the whole scheme of things, then that find, I find so. it very hard to retain that knowledge. Mm. So that's a wonderful, wonderful tip for our listeners to explore where mind mapping might be a solution for some of the things that, that, are stum- that you're stumbling over. So, yeah. so now as a voice coach, I would love to move into the importance of what you do and you know just how multi-purposed it is. I know that a lot of your focus, if I'm correct, is on corporate, but that we all can learn how to find our authentic voice. Tell us, Emma, why that's important. Oh, it's it's huge. So I, I mean, I'll use an example of a lady I've been with. So she's a, an entrepreneur. She's a coach in football, um, and she works specifically with people who've come out the other end of football. So they've they've had their athletic career, and for whatever reasons, that career has ended. The trajectory for those people is pretty grim, and so she helps them create a new career afterwards because they're generally quite young. When I met her, she was terrified about talking about her experience, and she'd been doing that in football for 30 years she didn't want to talk about herself the thought of talking about money and asking people for money was so terrifying and she would just literally kind of gum up and so she was being asked to go and do uh, speeches and be on panels and she was turning them all down because the thought of actually speaking in public and staking her claim owning her expertise was just terrifying because she thought if I do that everyone's going to think I'm really big-headed And so she was avoiding speaking up and speaking out. Um, And so by helping her understand the value of what she offered, and it was an invitation for people to come and work with her, and and they were able to pay her for her services. When we worked on that, we were able to free up her voice. And so she's now speaking, and she's got two panel conversations next month. Um, She's working for the FA, which if you're not British, that's the uh, Football Association, the Premier League, the big thing in in the UK. She's done so much because she's now released those anxieties and fears she had about using her voice. And so she's out there. And the same goes, you know, if you're in a corporate structure, if you're hiding your light away, not speaking up in meetings, not um, putting yourself forward for promotions, um, because you don't want to speak up or take up too much space, then it's going to really hamper your career. So 
being able to use your voice, sell yourself before you sell your products, your ideas, your whatever it might be, mm-hmm. is is such a key skill in life and in business. Well, that's what I'm, yeah, as you're sharing that, I'm thinking that that confidence that must come from once you open up and share, it must filter into everything else. Mm, absolutely. You know, your boundaries become much more firm, understanding what it is you want, articulating your desires for, for life, for work, for your career, so, so much easier. And that confidence comes through doing. And this is this is a really important thing. And I, and I often have people who come to me on discovery calls and say, you know, I want to be more confident. I was like, okay, that's that's great. But confidence is a byproduct. It comes right. from doing other things. So we have to get you in a space where we can calm that inner critic and that noise that goes on in your head so you can think clearly and articulate your thoughts. And the more you do that, the more confident you're going to feel. It's not you get confident and then you go do those things. That That's mm. never the way that it works. It has to be doing the things, embracing the fear, accepting it, managing it, right. and knowing you can do it and survive whatever happens. That's right. what builds the confidence. And I'm thinking, as you're saying that, just it's like building a muscle. It's as you step into it, try it, get that positive emotional feedback that yeah. you then blossom and bloom and, and so that confidence grows. Because I know that... You share as one of your topics, and I've heard this so many times, people are still so fearful of speaking in public. I mean, I've even heard, you know, top speakers who say, I'm still fearful before I go, you know, onto stage. I know you were mentioning that you've got some TEDx work, you know, coming up. Um, That alone is such a journey. I've volunteered with our local TEDx chapter here and been on the speaker's training panel and just watching the wonderful transformation um but it's it, there's some important tools to learn on that one definitely i mean you know tedx is is like it's getting to you know a certain stage and i think the interesting thing with ted is like it's another level of vulnerability because you're not just sharing your work expertise you're sharing part of yourself and that's a really important part of ted is sharing you so that's a whole new level of of vulnerability but i think what what i think is really important here is I have women who have PhDs and multi, in some cases, multiple PhDs. I've got one client who's got a PhD. She's trained as an IP lawyer. She she has so many qualifications and she still hates speaking. I was talking to a lady earlier today. She is incredibly senior lawyer, gets asked to go and speak at conferences all over the world and paid to do it. People want to hear what she's got to say. She loses sleep for days beforehand and can't speak off cuff. You know, it has to be prepared. It doesn't matter how senior or junior you are. The fear of speaking can grip so many people. And it really causes like major impact, like like losing sleep. I've, I've right. Who take medication to calm their anxiety. You know, right. it can be really, really serious and it really hampers people's careers. Um, but the thing is, we can the good news i suppose is that you can you can manage that you can learn techniques to manage that starting with the mindset work and then body work um so you can get to a point where you can do a tedx talk and stand on stage and share vulnerable stories about yourself and your life and and interesting things that you want to share with others um and do it with joy that's that's what's amazing as i would love to ask you on that i know that you shared that you have three top tips for calming your nerves before speaking? Could you walk us through those? Absolutely. So we need to start with the brain, first of all. Actually, there's a couple of different ways of doing it, but but the brain is really important. So if you're saying to yourself, I hate speaking, 
I'm terrified. I'm going to mess this up. Guess what's going to happen? <laughs> right. We're, you know, a belief is a thought we keep thinking, right? We repeat that thought, it becomes a belief. So we have to try and catch those thoughts, first of all. So it might be a bit much to go, I'm a great speaker. I love speaking. We need a bridging thought to get between where we actually are and where we'd like to be. So that bridging thought could be, I'm going to just see what happens today, or I'm curious as to see how confident I could feel, or I'm curious to see if I can calm the noise in my head before I start speaking. So anything that with curiosity is really helpful um, because it, it opens us up to possibility rather than I'm going to be terrible. I hope they don't ask me about slide 27 because I can't answer that question. You know, that that limits our energy. Curiosity opens it up. So I would start with the mindset. Number two is breathing. So when we're anxious, we tend to breathe in the top part of our chest and our lungs are teeny tiny up here. (sighs) Right. And if we start breathing like that, our audience start breathing like that because of our mirror neurons. And then the whole room feels anxious and doesn't really know why. Um, And it's very hard to persuade people to do things if you look anxious and also impacts on your voice. So breathing lower down in the body, really important. And you can just simply encourage your body to do that by putting your hands on your lower ribs and just feeling the breath down there. So as you breathe in, you're breathing down there rather than up here. Because if you're breathing down there, your body can't emit the stress hormones of testosterone, cortisol and adrenaline. It's not possible. The two things can't happen at the same time. The calmer you're breathing, the better you're going to feel. And then the third thing is really weirdly your feet. So make sure your feet are flat on the floor, whether you're sitting or standing. Make sure they're flat on the floor and roughly hip width apart. Um, because that's going to give you a stable platform. It will stop you from swaying or rocking or moving around. So just having your feet really connected to the floor brings the energy in your system, which when you're anxious, it's up and out. (laughs) It brings the energy back down in your system and you will just feel a lot calmer. So those are my three things. What you're thinking, how you're breathing, where are your feet? Those are wonderful. I'd love, I think this is a perfect opportunity to just walk our listeners through an exercise. Sure. Um, So over to you. All right, then. So I think this is a really nice, easy one for everybody to access. Um, So women tend to speak a little bit higher than their optimum pitch. Men tend to speak a little bit lower. So your optimum pitch is when your larynx is sitting in your throat in the best position possible. It's when your voice sounds the richest and it's easy for you to speak and you don't get tired. So how do you find your optimum pitch? Well, there's a really easy technique and you just set, you just go, uh oh, like somebody's in trouble. Right? Imagine you're talking to a three year old and they've just done something a little bit naughty and you, you go, uh oh. Now that second sound is lower than the first. Uh oh, 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 this is my optimum pitch. My name is Emma Wayner. So that's where we need to be speaking. That's finding your optimum pitch. Yeah. That is wonderful. Thank you for sharing. That's so, I just think it's wonderful to be able to take what we're listening to and then actually apply it and be practical because then we it can stay with us and we can, yeah. So there you go, everybody. Um, yeah. It's just that, uh-uh. And it's funny because I have been told that I need to lower my pitch in my dog training. <laughs> she said to me, because I tend to use a very high-pitched voice calling her. And she says, you need to lower. And it's interesting because this morning 
I, she went off and I said to my husband, you call her. And of course his pitch is lower and he called and she came straight away. So <laughs> just yeah. shows you, Absolutely. you can, you can use it in, in all, in all different ways. So mm-hmm. Emma, I would love to, for you to just let me know, describe your audience, who's going to benefit from working with you so they can get in touch with you. Mm, Absolutely. So if you are a leader, if you are running a team or if you're moving into a position of leadership uh, or if you're an entrepreneur and you have a team or you're scaling, I can absolutely help you find your voice and really be influential in your in your communication. Um, I can help you communicate your ideas, sell yourself, sell your products, your services, whatever it might be. Um, But if you are if you know you're a good speaker and you want to get better, I can help you. Or if you know that you have to speak and you're fearful and you want to get better, I can help you. So those are the people that I can really, really Lovely. And the best place for people to find you and connect with you, as you mentioned, is on LinkedIn. So I'll be sure to have the show notes there. And of course, they can then reach out and message you. I know that you're offering a 45-minute consult. Yes, absolutely. Yes, uh, they can message you on LinkedIn, and I'll, that'll be in the show notes. So, and then before we sign off, I'd love to find is there an upcoming project that you're excited about, or something that you'd like to share? Yeah, sure. So, if you have been thinking about doing a TED talk, we have a TEDx challenge which is running in June. So, it's a three one-hour sessions where we'll start the process with you about crystallizing your idea. So you've got an idea and you want to crystallize it, or you have no idea what you're talking about, the process will help you begin to rationalize your thoughts and bring you to potentially your one big idea that's worth sharing. Wonderful. And Emma, they'll find that on LinkedIn as well to connect with you and learn more about that. Wonderful. Well, thank you. I want to let our listeners know that I am your host, Carol Clegg, and as a small business coach, I partner with women solopreneurs in midlife to confidently step out of overwhelm and create a fresh path to success through tailored accountability and mindset coaching, integrated with the powerful positive intelligence program. Struggling with procrastination, finding balance in your business and your personal life, then let's chat. To those that have taken the time, to listen to our conversation today, I'd be honored if you'd share it wherever you like to share your content. And I encourage you to step into your own personal journey of exploration this week. Discover some unique ways to connect, inspire, or create that could bring some joy into your world. May this week be filled with delightful experiences and meaningful connections. Thank you, Emma. I loved our conversation and I appreciate you joining me. Thank you, Carol. Until the next time, bye-bye.